Hey, it's uh, me, Ben, from the podcast Buenta Vista. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up on the news, uh, but Brisbane just got awarded the Olympics um, for 2032, uh, which a lot of people tagged me and the podcast in largely because uh, Reuters, the news service, described Brisbane as a once backwater in their headline of the event, uh, which... I don't know. It's probably true. But anyway, um, about a year ago, no, more than that, fuck, a year and a half ago, uh, Theo and I recorded a little a little Just Ben and Theo episode. We talked about a lot of things, but we also went very uh, at length on why we really didn't fucking want a Brisbane Olympics. Um, and that seemed uh, pretty relevant. So, if you're... A Patreon subscriber, you've actually maybe listened to this episode before. It's just coming back in your feed because it's topical. Uh, but if this you're listening to this as a free episode, uh, this is a first for you. Uh, welcome. Lovely to have you listening to this episode from the past. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. Uh, here's the episode starts after I press stop here. Thank you. Welcome to Buena Vista. This is a bonus episode. I'm Ben, and I'm standing here in a great ancient Roman forum, waxing at length to my fellow senators about politics and philosophy and other such learned topics. Standing behind me with a dagger poised to plunge into my back, it's Theo. Hello, Theo. Hey. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right for now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we may... may want to have a chat a little bit later on about everything that's going on. Not really feeling great about... But look... That doesn't happen to ha- have to happen right now. It could probably wait until we've we've gone home. We've all gone, which we will all do. We'll all go home from all of here. Us. All Everyone of us that walked in on their own two legs will be leaving on their own two legs. And that's right. That's and my that's understanding. Guarantee. I mean, it's happened to to us every single time we've walked in and out of here until now. Mm-hmm. And I certainly see no reason to worry that it won't. Absolutely, and I feel inspired by that. Uh, it's odd that you had to reassure me. Yeah, that I that mean, everyone else here is on your side. There's, Everyone else. There's me and there's 34 other guys here, and we're all saying, hey, uh, up the Caesar. Because I was sort of like looking around before, and I just felt like everyone was sort of holding a hand within their toga. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. We're all holding our hand to our heart as we think of Caesar mm. um, and just how much uh, he, he means to us all. Okay, good. Because I was a little nervous. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to, to be nervous about. And you've stayed perfectly behind me this whole time. No, I have. That's right. And you, of- yep. And my hand is just—it's not feeling real great right now, so it is going to stay behind me. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And it's just that every time I keep turning around to look at you, uh-huh. you sort of complete the complimentary movement that keeps you behind me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's just from here, I can keep an eye on any enemies that you might have. Oh, I don't have any enemies. Well, no. Actually, you know, you, you pause there for a second. You're right. You're yeah. you're right. Uh, but this way, we can just make sure we can keep it going. Probably I was for sure for years. I was very sure until yeah. I'm going to say this conversation is when I start uh-huh. being sure. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm very sorry that it that mm. that's look. 
It's not the thing I was going for. You're doing a great job. And as I say, uh, we're all standing behind you. Yeah, you are me, all standing me, behind Me, literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, we think you're doing a great job. Love all your stuff. That thing with Cleopatra, it was... Oh, She's look, a great broad, huh? She, yeah, <laughs> The guys and I were just talking about how... How much we love that, um, and her and her coming around all the time. Um, it's been it's it's really cool. Her I being did here see all you the all time. Talking before actually, yeah, you were sort of huddled. Yeah, yeah. About and we were just talking about how much we love Cleopatra and her being here. The Brutus with you? Ah, uh, where is that guy? I love that um, guy. He's around. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Saw him on the way to the aqueduct before. <laughs> on one of your daily trips to the, to the aqueduct. <laughs> Fetch some water for us all. Sure. Yeah. So if you see him coming back, he's probably just carrying the water in his toga. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Porta Vista. This is an improv podcast by ah. two level four improv whizbangs. Yep. Firecrackers. You give us one word, we will give you 45 minutes of racist accents. Oh, we should have done all of that in Italian accents. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you think of, like, the, the ancient Romans from all of the British movies and media Yeah, they've got upper-class British accents. Absolutely. <laughs> Which I think... Makes gives us a certain image in our mind, but you if they were all talking in horrendously racist accents, <laughs> be much better if there was twenty minutes of a, a legionnaire talking about his pizza pie oven at home. <laughs> Just imagining uh, the the latest Rome Total War getting review bombed on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> Because the PC developers have refused to make all of the Roman characters talk exactly like Mario. <laughs> I would love a mod for that where you click on any <laughs> Roman unit and it's just like, what's the matter, you? <laughs> uh, if you're an aspiring game developer, uh, please, any of the Rome Total War games. They really fucked themselves with the naming system of uh, that franchise. Because they have to... So you've got Medieval Total War. Yeah. You have Rome Total War. The sequel to Medieval Total War yes. is Medieval 2 Total War. Mm. Now, if Total War is the phrase that is carried throughout all of your titles. Yeah. Now, I guess then you'd be, be in a position like, where you'd total, be like. Total War, like eight. Total War yeah. 5, Medieval 2. Yeah. Maybe and they. None of them. Contain racist Italian accents. No, which seems like a huge oversight. Yeah. Although, admittedly, I've not played the last couple. No, me either. I There's a Warhammer Total Rome. War, I think. Now. Yeah, there was. I don't oh. know if people liked it or not. No, it's a no. shame. Also, people are appreciating the ambience here in Ben's living room. We've got the sounds of Australia. I feel all the sounds <laughs> of Brisbane. You've got a man whippersnipping at night. He started. I'm going to say at one in the afternoon uh-huh. today. It is now six p.m. He has been going for an extraordinarily long time, which leads me to conclude he is trying to mow his entire lawn with a whippersnipper. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, you know, when all you've got is a hammer. Yep. Everything looks like a nail. Uh-huh. I don't think that saying actually applies here because the problem to him remains the same problem. Yes. Yeah. 
This is it's more just of that a- he's got a thousand nails to to put in, and he needs some sort of mega hammer. <laughs> but he doesn't have that. He has a regular hammer, and you know what? He's going for it. How often do you think you'd have to top that bad boy up? Because we're talking, a- we're talking fuel or yeah. yeah. Well, what's the other thing? It's oh, my the, least, the, 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 the string, the string, the silly string the that silly, fucks you yeah, up. Yeah. It's my least favorite. Uh, thing to do around the house specifically i think is to refuel my two-stroke whippersnipper refueling it yeah because you've got to mix the oil in there oh, i kind of like right. spill it everywhere like i'm in one of those like carpet cleaning ads mm-hmm. um where you're just like shrugging and looking at the camera yeah oh. uh, i'm like trying to juggle like six um plastic containers or the, the mixing containers of the oil and fuel and it's just scratching your everywhere. head yeah or question marks popping up around your head i, I can't i can't stand it no. it's a it's a bad task to me i just realized why i gave my friend's whipper snipper back to him empty after i borrowed it last time was because i looked at the thing where it was like mix it and i was like no i'm not doing that <laughs> i'll buy you a beer next time i see you <laughs> <laughs> that is a bridge too far. Yeah, that's <laughs> mixing my own oil. Well, really, it's to a ratio of twenty-five to one for their own good. Because I don't want to fuck that up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the person to make their weapon snipper explode, turns no. their weapon snipper into an IED. No. Um, I'm gonna. You know, I've got a big, big old hole in my brain. I can't tell which stories I've actually told on pod. Yeah, wow. so you can tell me. I'll tell this story, and you tell me whether you've heard it before. But I used to live with a friend. Um, and, um, we would share doing the mowing and then one day, like my mower just got shittier and shittier and one day it just wouldn't start at all. And, um, the guy next door, my neighbor came over with, um, evil Eddie from, uh, Butterfingers and they tried to start, fuck it. All right. We're done. No, no, keep going. That's it. And then the whole time, it turned out my, my good friend um, had been putting oil in the fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a four-stroke mower, mm. so it was just going everywhere. That is a non-mower now. All right, just you- cancel that bit out. Uh, we'll just put a cross through that and all the other stories I've told multiple times because oh. I am now struggling to separate reality from the podcast. I think the podcast is actually a subset of reality. Mm. I think it might exist outside of reality. Look, we've done a lot of episodes. It's hard mm-hmm. to keep track of these stories. Uh, welcome to Buddha Vista. Hello. This is a podcast about... Ancient history. Ancient history. Uh, lawnmower usage and maintenance. Video game development. Video game development. Uh, and above all, Brisbane. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is certainly the world's first and only Brisbane-only podcast. Yes, and it should stay that way. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a little question. I want you to close your eyes. And I am doing this. He is he, doing this. I'm looking at this. him right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you, and I, this is maybe a little cruel that I'm asking you to do this because what well, with your specific sets of anxieties, maybe not great. Oh, are they bad? In a way that makes people think less of me? Uh, we'll get into that later. Okay. Um, I want you to cast your mind into the far future of 2032. Holy shit. And I want you to think about what Australia will look like at that time. Yep. Uh, I want you to think about uh, what our fire seasons are like. Yeah, I'm definitely still picturing trees. Mm-hmm. But about like five. Uh-huh. Yeah. In a tree museum. Yeah. <laughs> under a big dry dome. 
uh, we're getting a lot of rainfall at that time. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, our biodiversity, I assume, great. It's three. Yep. Again. <laughs> three animals. It is <laughs> the cane toad, the cane beetle. And cockroaches. <laughs> Uh, well, to my mind, year 2032, based on how things are now and how things are projected to get in like yeah, the next we'll, five we'll years. we'll definitely have a 2032 at this stage, I think. It's not looking great. It's up in the air. But there is one thing that we can look forward to. Uh-huh. Uh, the possibility of the Olympics happening in Brisbane oh, in 2032. A, what a wonderful thought. In this inhospitable fucking dust bowl. Yep. Uh, that it will be both completely on fire and flooded at the same time. That's when we're going to invite uh, all of the tourists and athletes of the world to come to our humble burg, take in the sights, go to Goma, go on the uh-huh. Channel 7 branded Ferris wheel, Yep. Uh, go to the go Maritime to... Museum uh-huh. across from QUT, check out the tugboat. Yeah. You Fortitude? Can, uh, no, uh, the Forceful Tug. The Forceful Tug? The Forceful Tug is the name of the, uh, is the, name of the tugboat there. Yeah. Uh, you can also take that little... There's um, no way that's true. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It's called the Forceful Tug. I've taken about 4,000 photos <laughs> of the Forceful Tug, which is the tugboat at the Brisbane Maritime Museum. Um, it is one of my most favorite thoughts. Oh, um, you can take also... the, little, the little ferry that goes between Balimba oh, the, and the useless and version the of the city cat. Yeah. The, the city well, it's not ferry. useless if you're, the fairy cat. Uh, if you're me... 15 years ago, living at Balimba, two streets up from that tiny ferry, and you want to get to uh, the powerhouse specifically and back. Okay. Well, if this does apply to specifically you, congratulations. So we've got all of those things uh, and the Olympics, apparently. Yeah. And I think this came up because, like, in October or November, I had the thought, um, as as I do frequently, and the thought is... Only the dumbest fucking cities in the world apply for and then get the Olympics. Yeah. Um, just a big, big circus full of circusy dipshits <laughs> wearing clown makeup. It's a bunch of mayors and premiers and state governors all wearing size 24 yep. clown shoes. They've got, they have gigantic top hats, comical uh, cigars, and no pants whatsoever. They've just got those like <laughs> knee length boxer shorts with all the little love hearts on them. And they all get together at a room and say, we should host the Olympics. We should host the Olympics. We're a world city now. That's Let's right. Let's host the Olympics. And then there's a murmur. Everyone agrees. They're sucking very uh, forthrightly upon their cigars, having a great time. Uh, and one little lonely hand comes up from the back of the room and says, hey, hasn't the Olympics been a verifiable Waste of time, cost blowout, gigantic thing that just bankrupts cities, uh, leaves them with handfuls of billion-dollar infrastructure that they don't end up using. Um, Like every for every single Olympic, and the the chief clown slash um, fat cat. Uh, the king I, clown of the surface the king, circus. The king clown yeah. uh, says, ah, no, but we're the smart ones. We're going to do time, this right. This time it will be different. I believe in this case the uh, the king clown or one of the clowns uh, at the top, sort of a shared sort of clown hierarchy arrangement there, but, but one of the top clowns, of course, uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk, uh, announced the bid December 9th. 
um, which would be the first Olympics in Australia since the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Uh, and so we're talking about July 23rd to August 8th in 2032. Which I believe uh, late July to early August by the year 2032 will be the season we refer to as... Summer. Mega summer. Mega, mega summer. <laughs> yeah, ultra summer happens a few months after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you have the unincorporated seasons from... <laughs> <laughs> the chaos <laughs> season From December to February. <laughs> the underground days... <laughs> Uh, where we all go underground to hibernate. <laughs> but then we come out uh, and we're ready to build uh, all of the infrastructure, the the new highways required to shunt us from um, from dome to dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Palaszczuk said the games would provide legacy benefits for generations to come. Mm. Of course, Olympics means a lot to the state. <laughs> it's pride in our state. It tells the rest of the world that we're firmly on the map. It's you get just, a globe, oh. and it no longer just skips straight from Sydney to Cairns. <laughs> Somewhere in there. It's so pathetic. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, please. Mm. Oh, we're a big city now. Put us on the map. Oh, come on. Oh, you you guys- know, like in uh, movies where they'll show like a world map in the background of like a military strategy yeah. room. Yeah. It's like how in uh, fucking... I think it's in Arrival. There's like one dot in Australia for a city and it's like Perth. <laughs> like it's a joke in Danger 5 that whenever they show the world map, uh, it's Adelaide that gets the dot because oh, all the guys are from South right, Australia. What a terrible thought. Yeah, it's horrible, right? But it, it'll be <laughs> Brisbane. Brisbane that gets the dot if we have the Olympics. Um, so she said, and I and I take this at face value, I believe her on this, um, she said while 80% of the required infrastructure already exists in Queensland, so I believe she's counting perhaps air. They don't have to truck in any air. No, we've, we've well, got the air. Well, we'll see how we're doing. Yeah, there, I mean, that, that number may go down to 70% by that point. They're actually, weirdly, when they're talking about this, they're including all of southeast Queensland. Yes, well, we'll get to that mm. because the, the rules have changed and it's probably going to make us look like assholes by the end of it, right? <laughs> no, it well, won't. <laughs> it's time for the Olympics to be good. <laughs> this will be they the all one sat down and we decided, should we make another bad Olympics? <laughs> just some guy in a meeting room <laughs> being like, guys, I just had a thought. What if we did a good Olympics? <laughs> oh, it'll never work. We've never <laughs> Do we have the technology? <laughs> This will be the first good Olympics since they all got nude to do them and ran around in a circle. This will be the first Olympics since, like, you had, like, dual uh, Olympians slash philosophers, like Plato just getting nude and demolishing everybody at wrestling. That was when there were only three sports. No, that's right. The nude wrestling, some sort of Socratic debate, (laughs) and then a chariot race with weapons allowed. (laughs) I believe we're getting back to that. Mark Latham will be the wrestler. <laughs> and he will wrestle Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Finally, Australia can get behind Mark Latham. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, if you had to pick someone to be your combined debate captain, like, pancreatic fucking wrestler. <laughs> pancreatic wrestler, yeah, go on. That's what it's the pancreation, right, is the... Pancratian pen. Excuse me? Fucking, it's the Greek term for the nude wrestling thing. Oh, my God. I read a book about it Is in it really? primary school, and I think I fucked up every detail of recounting it. Uh-huh. Mark Latham's our guy. His yep, physical presence. 
<laughs> and he needs the money, and by this point... <laughs> you imagine him just, like, screaming. Like, that man is, like... Uh, just an unending well of rage. <laughs> <laughs> Every day in his life is just the last scene from um, There Will Be Blood. <laughs> I reckon he has a sacrificial wall at his house that he's allowed to punch. <laughs> It's just like they get replastered every twelve months. Yeah, it's like painting the Sydney Harbour Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Starts replastering one one side, punching the other. (laughs) Well, it's a jobs program. And you know what else is a jobs program? Mm. The twenty thirty two Olympics for Brisbane. And how Uh, many jobs is that going to create? You reckon? So one hundred and twenty thousand jobs, which sounds like to me a number that exists. That's certainly true. Um, uh-huh. That seems like a huge number, especially if you put that. Uh, what is it, Brisbane's population? It's about, oh, it's about two and a half million. If yeah. you include the um, north and south, where'd that take it to? Would it be like three and a half million? I'm going to get that completely wrong, but I think Gold Coast is about half a million people north, and then you got uh, about half a million people in Southern Coast as well. Yep. Four hundred thousand, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we're looking at about three million people. So that's like one in every thirty people. Yeah. So. I actually looked it up. Um, Brisbane specifically, their labour force is 900,000 people. So if this was true, this would mean an, a 13% increase to the labour force. That seems massive. Yeah, and I'm sure... And so the Olympics famously go for uh, years on end. Those jobs stick around forever, uh-huh. and they don't just evaporate the moment the circus leaves town. Yeah, I think the Olympics last for between 10 and 20 years, so there'll be some real long-term benefits from that. And the good thing is none of those jobs will be skilled labour, so the current unemployment pool will just magically slot into those 120,000 jobs. Oh, I th- I think so. And it won't just be people that are already working in that field transitioning from their current job into that job yep. or contractors taking those jobs. I, I don't think so. Um, and just uh, to put that into perspective, that's more than the 100,000 health and social worker jobs uh, currently in Brisbane. So just uh, they've, they've really created an entirely new industry here with the, with the jobs program of the, of the Olympics. Yeah. Um, so they're the only ones on board so far. Um, they've, uh, so the IOC have rejected St. Petersburg, um, and Sochi in Russia, um, Guadalajara and, uh, Monterey in Mexico. Um, so they've all been given the punt and Madrid and the Rhine Ruhr metropolitan area. I don't really know what cities are in that in Germany, um, are likely competitors. So some pretty good, I, I feel like. They're pretty. They're cities that exist and you've heard of, right? Yes. Which we will definitely have a chance against. <laughs> sure. Um, we hosted the 1982 Commonwealth Games, and uh, the uh, Gold Coast hosted the 2018 Commonwealth Games. And Ben's got a little note here: the Commonwealth Games is the shit Olympics. Yeah, it's the Olympics like, of shit. It's like if the Olympics was worse. Yes, and I'm picturing less interesting. it. Yeah, and made up of. Fifty percent apartheid countries. <laughs> yep. Yep. Strong showing from Zimbabwe this year. Had to go go to all of the plaques, get a chisel out, and hammer off Rhodesia. <laughs> Replace them all. Uh, the Commonwealth Games is just not. I don't. There was a weird, from my recollection of them in twenty eighteen. No one 
I talked to in real life gave a shit about them. No. There was no a surprising amount of people on the internet who were like, oh my god, the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. I don't understand that divide. Yeah, I, no, no, me either. Uh, there was a lot of problems with the Commonwealth Games, like infrastructure problems, uh, mainly around traffic was just a fucking nightmare, public transport was super fucked up, there were these crazy long lines all the time. Uh, there's a wonderful quote that I really like here. I didn't check at the time, but do you think that's the Peter Beattie? Oh, I mean, you don't want to assume these things. I, I don't know, but it probably. We, we're talking about former Premier of Queensland, Peter Yeah, Beattie. who was maybe him at the time, the chairman of the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games Organising Committee. He told the ABC about their traffic problems. The M1 is a dog. It's a dog of a road, and until it's improved, it will remain a dog of the road. It fucking sucks. It sucks. If you've had that <laughs> drive from Brisbane to the Gold Coast yeah. at any time between 3.30 and 7. Oh, it's terrible. You can't do it. No. And the inverse in the morning, also yeah. impossible. But the cool thing about it is, um, and there's more on this down below, but uh, it is a very difficult problem to fix unless you can get people to take the fucking heavy rail which sits next to the M1 and travels along the same route as the M1. Um, which nobody seems to use for tourism or, uh, look, people will probably yell at me, but lots of people take the train from, from Gold Coast upwards. That's not what they're talking about here, right? No. They're talking about uh, people that need to go from the Gold Coast to Brisbane in an ad hoc fashion choose not to take the train. They choose to take the M1 until there's a gigantic queue from Narang to about... Green slopes mm -hmm. um, to to get anywhere, um, and it doesn't seem like they can really convince people to not do that because they've got uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of improvements uh, that are currently going on to move the bottleneck from um, from <laughs> up Mount Gravatt down to uh, Springwood, which <laughs> is approximately four kilometers down the road. Well, that'll be great, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, people living that, in that upper section from the traffic jam at uh, at Green Slopes to the traffic jam at Springwood will just be, oh, it'll be the dream, smooth yeah. sailing the whole the whole way along. Um, but God forbid we actually encourage people to to use that newly finalized link that goes all the way down through, you know, onto the light rail that they've linked up, they've done all that stuff. No, what you want to do is talk about the M1, improving the M1, all that sort of stuff. So that's a cool thought. But I think historically the uh, the Olympics have been pretty cool though, Ben. Is that right? Oh, yeah, they've been wonderful. Um, so I think one of their favourite things uh, that cities that host the Olympics love to do, they love to build new buildings. Oh, don't they? And you know what the best place... Uh, to build new buildings is? Well, I would say where there's no people at oh, all in a, in a place that's God. very highly trafficked, easy to get to, mm. already linked to public transport, but yet somehow is just a big empty field Well, that has never been populated. I can hear what you're saying. Sure. And I respect that. Uh-huh. But I would put forth that a much better place to put all your Olympic facilities uh, is an ill-used and neglected part of town uh, full of vulnerable people, largely homeless, uh, and with no existing links to public transport. Oh. Oh, that's much worse. All right. Now, see, obviously you can see the good parts of that. 
Oh, it's self-evident. For a bargain. Right? Hmm? Absolute bargain. Yeah. Uh, it would be a bargain at twice the price. Unfortunately, it means you have to do some really ugly things, like evicting millions of homeless people. Now, uh, or even not even homeless people, just lower income people in, in homes that well, now homeless. Well, now homeless that don't necessarily want to leave. So we've seen this happen in uh, Beijing. This happened in Rio. They had riot police uh, sent in. According to the Center of uh, Housing Rights and Evictions uh, at the UN said that about 1.5 million people are evicted Holy from their homes fuck. since 2000 in advance of the Beijing Olympics. Uh, in Sydney, they started rolling out these horrible programs where they basically started documenting the homeless people in the suburbs they plan to build the uh, Olympic facilities. Uh, this is from the Green Left Weekly. Uh, dossiers are being drawn up on individual homeless people and unused government buildings are being readied as temporary accommodation sites. The government has even left open the possibility of busing the homeless to accommodation as far away as Newcastle and Wollongong. The plans, first revealed by the Sun-Herald on January 16th, coincide with the introduction of new Sydney City Council rangers assigned to Circular Quay and other high-profile tourist areas who will have sweeping powers to move homeless people on. They will be able to use reasonable force against any person deemed a nuisance or annoyance. So this was written in advance of the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yeah, and then they make some references here to the same shit happened in Atlanta before the 1996 Games. Homeless people round up and bust more than 300 kilometers away, and homeless rights groups documented 9,000 arrests of homeless people between May 1995 and May 1996 for loitering and banging, which is four times greater than in earlier years. So that's cool. That's going to be nice to see. That's definitely a a fun thing to think about, but I couldn't help... But notice you used the words uh, bargain at twice the price, mm-hmm. which I think leads us neatly into the next section. <laughs> Shit. Hey. It's quite good, actually. Um, and without, so Ben's got a little graph here, but Ben, I don't want you to look at the graph. I want you to just feel it. Feel the numbers flow through you. Okay. Hit me with some numbers. Uh-huh. Um, so as we alluded to earlier, um, we believe that this is the Olympics that, doesn't go over budget. Yeah. Just as nobody has thought in the history of Olympics ever. No one has ever made that claim. Anyway, uh, wouldn't you know, in 1996, the Atlanta Olympics um, was budgeted for $1.2 billion, and the cost, Ben? I'm going to say twice that. Triple it, $3.6 billion. Uh, Sydney Olympics, $3.2 billion budget? $7 billion. $6.9 billion, ah, bang on. Well done to us. Uh, I'm going to skip the... Uh, so, actually, you know what? No, I'm not. Big ups to Salt Lake City, who came in. They budgeted $2.4 billion, They came in at $2.5. Oh. Uh, absolutely wonderful. But um, they make Athens look like absolute dipshits. They came in $3, uh, $3 billion budget, and the eventual cost? $10 billion. $16 billion. Fuck. Apparently, uh, the Athens Olympics was actually a... Huge contributing factor to the uh, Greek financial class. It's absolutely no surprise whatsoever that they, it's, you put all this money into, you know, barely multi-use infrastructure and don't get any rewards out of it at the end, um, except for just to, the, the benefit of this is the people in the room, right? This is like, this is purely for, I know people, you know, will argue for the the sense of, you know, um, 
international solidarity. Exactly, all, all that sort of stuff. And there is a tale to be told about that. But by and large, when they're bidding for the Olympics, when they're putting it all together, it is for the people bidding in the room. Yeah. Right? It is for those people. It is for them to show their city and how good they are at running it. it and they fuck it up every single time. Roll out uh, one William Street and show off our city's giant dick to uh-huh. the whole world. Yep. It is a it is a big old bone. That is thing. a big, girthy fucking dick. Yep. Good job, Campbell. Um, Beijing Olympics budgeted for $20 billion. Uh, and just These are a USD as well. These are USDs. Uh, I believe this one went up to 40. 45, Apparently baby. there's a, been a whole bunch of secrecy about the actual figure, and they reckon that is way, way under. My goodness. Um, London, $5 billion budget. Going to call it 12. Uh, 18. Fuck. Uh, Sochi, I've been to the Sochi, like some of the Olympic grounds at, um, uh, at Hakuba. Um, $10 billion for the Winter Olympics budgeted. And 15. $51 billion. <laughs> um, I, I've been to their ski jump. It sits there like a nightmare obelisk. Oh it is God. just this thing. That you cannot imagine the size of it. Uh, larger than skyscrapers, like one of the largest buildings I've ever seen. And it just, in the middle of winter, just sitting there, not being used, not, uh, it was shut down at the time. Uh, you couldn't get it, it was barricaded off. Um, and I believe that they've been having a huge amount of problems um, financially, keeping all of the infrastructure in check because it just falls apart, mm-hmm. right? When no one's using it because no one uses it for, the at the rate or at the volume that they that they need um for this stuff uh and then rio budgeted at 14 came in at 20 good job guys like not not bad not a bad effort um but of course every single one of these well and truly over budget the bidding bidding process alone can cost between 50 and 100 million dollars um before it's even been accepted um and apparently tokyo's unsuccessful 2016 bid cost the country 150 million US dollars. I love the thought of spending 150 million USD to be like, can we host the Olympics? And just to get a note back that just says, no. No. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> Any feedback on how I did for, for next time? Please refer to the original note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so the, it just, of course, it just destroys. Um, like long-term kind of um, job prospects and that sort of thing. They set them up. It, it, it very much reminds me of, you know, the, the conversation that we have around mining jobs where everyone's talking about these jobs as if they're permanent jobs, but they're not. The, the job is to build the machine that digs the hole. The job is to build the, the conveyor belt that takes the coal out to the terminal. It's not to, it's not to operate this stuff, right? Um, so in uh, the... Olympic, the Winter Olympic Games in Lillehammer in, in Norway. Um, so with the exception of the significant growth in the tourism industry, long-term economic benefits for the region have turned out to be fairly modest uh, and out of proportion to the huge costs of hosting the Games. And I think that's like, that's the thing we're very bad at judging, right, is proportionality to say, well, we're going to spend this much and get all of these benefits, but they can't measure what... $20 billion, $30 billion worth of pure investment into infrastructure, into uh, helping uh, the less, um, you know, the, the less fortunate and that sort of thing in our, in our society. They, 
they're very bad at measuring the cost of building all this stuff versus what it would cost for them to spend the money on normal things, right? Mm. Just things that city planners are yelling out for. Um, so, you know, they got the this big boom in, in Norway, uh, and then, of course, the predictions for tourism even fell flat. Uh, 40% of the full-service hotels in Lillehammer gone bankrupt. Um, so again, like that gold rush effect, right? Uh, so the uh, so Winter Olympic Games from Nagano and Vancouver uh, have been equally discouraging. Um, so the Conference Board of Canada estimated that the Vancouver Games injected 1.56 billion dollars into the local economy, an impressive figure until one compares that to the 10 billion dollar <coughs> um, impact predicted by the finance minister prior to the game or the six to seven billion dollars in costs to stage the event right like again they cool say, yeah right like they point to all this stuff and you just go well look yeah so fucking what you spent all of that money elsewhere why didn't you just take the middleman out and spend it on on the things and then don't even bother having it it's it is absolutely demonstrable that this happens over and over again um but they keep Having the idea that they they're the ones, to, they're the smart ones, they're the ones to pull it off. They're the Mon- ones that are going to do it right. They're the ones that are going to do it right. Montreal, they thought they were going to do it right, um, so they got the 1976 Olympics. Uh, the mayor of Montreal at the time, Jean Drapeau. Uh, <laughs> come on. <sighs> All right. Uh, both of the games would be the first auto-financed Olympics, like like the man who first managed to suck his dick. <laughs> yep. I will be the one to do it. I will it. be the one. <laughs> Hell, I'm flexible enough. I'm good at DDR. I won't fall off my couch and break my neck. <laughs> Grandma won't catch me. <laughs> uh, the, the Montreal Olympics. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, can, no, can no more have a deficit than a man can have a baby, he said. A prediction that would haunt him. As construction costs ballooned and sent the final price tag into the stratosphere, uh, he projected a budget of 125 million. It took 30 years for Quebec to pay off the 1.5 billion dollar debt generated by the Montreal Olympics. Uh, can I just say, uh, Mayor of Montreal in 1976, Jean Drapeau said trans rights. Oh, he was saying men can have babies. I think that's if you cancel out the negatives in his sentence and the outcome. Yep. He said trans And his intent. Yeah. That's definitely what he meant. And he definitely wasn't a victim of tremendous hubris. Uh Uh-huh. Olympics fever. Olympics grade hubris. (laughs) But, of course, like, I think think one of the funniest things about it is it's not just all of the people in the the council chambers, uh, in the state government's all getting in a big ring and circle sucking each other to exhaustion. Uh, you also get marketing people in on the action. Mm. Uh, you get people that are good on branding. Mm-hmm. They love to brand things. They sure do. And that's do. a whole job, apparently, Ben. I don't believe that to be true, but I have heard rumors about right. it. Right. Just a, a guy or a girl, you know, just they're just branders. Well, let's list off the mascots for the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Yeah, so you've got... Uh, there was a wombat with yeah. a, a huge ass, and I believe that was part of his name. I think it was like Ollie the Big Ass Wombat. Is that right? 
you're looking directly at me, either wanting information or uh, a laugh out of me. I, no, I'm being deadly serious. Um, as far as mascots go, my sister played Glockenspiel <laughs> in the opening ceremony. She's sort of like a mascot to me. Sorry, I can't believe I got this so wrong. Fatso the fat-ass wombat. Uh, is that official? That's, that is his official name. He no, was- no, is the mascot official? He was the official mascot, one of the official Excuse mascots me? of the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Uh, there was also a lizard. Uh, but Fatso the Fat-Ass Wombat was definitely one of them. My God. And his wombat ass was indeed huge. Sorry, there was Ollie, Sid, Millie, and Lizzie. Huh? Wait, no, was Fatso not real? Wait, was this some sort of joke that I fell for? Oh, no, I was tricked as a child. <laughs> oh, this is the worst oh, day I'm of so my sorry. life. I'm so sorry. I have to watch this in real time. Oh, no. <laughs> I was 10. I was 10. How was I to know that Fatso the Fat-Ass Wombat was created by Sydney cartoonist Paul Newell with Roy and HG? I knew. I oh. knew they would have their little fingers involved in this. I'm so sorry. Uh, the real mascots were... Ollie, who was a kookaburra. Sid, who was a platypus. Nope, I think I've got these names wrong. Lizzie was a lizard. Sid was a platypus. Ollie was a kookaburra. Oh, God, these names are fucking awful. So, Ollie from Olympics. Uh huh. Sid from Sydney. Yeah. Millie from Millennium. Okay. And Lizzie from Lizard. Uh <laughs> And the problem with this is that all of those characters already existed pre the 2000 games. If you had walked into any one of the 17 Australian themed stores on like the Queen Street Mall and bought any of the t shirts, I'm going to read to you a paragraph from the Wikipedia page on these mascots. Please. The outstanding visibility and community engagement to Lizzie ultimately led to marketing success unrivaled by the three Olympic mascots. Lizzie captured the imagination of the public, leading to the iconic representation of the Paralympic Games. Lizzie captured the imagination of the public. I I don't remember this. To me, the Sydney 2000 Olympics, the only remaining cultural artifact that I have stashed away in my brain uh, were the um, satirical commentary kind of segments by Roy and HG. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers those. Are you, you referring to the conversation we had in person recently where I said that I didn't remember those? Oh, no, I wasn't. I didn't remember that. How it's funny how ironic. memory works. <laughs> or it doesn't. Um, but Ben, you're a bit of a Wikipedia head. I certainly am. Wikipedia man. I'd say that about myself. Yeah. Um, so, as you've pointed out, from the controversies section on Wikipedia for the London Olympics, uh, it was suggested that the logo resembled the cartoon character Lisa Simpson performing fellatio on her brother Bart Simpson. Now, if you wanted to verify that, could you point me to the number of the references cited that I could uh, check look, which one it, it was? Uh, absolutely, I would love to. So, if you scroll down to the bottom of the uh, London uh, Olympics Wikipedia page mm-hmm. and check out... Uh, references numbers 180, number 181, number 182, reference number 183, 184, Mm -hmm. reference 185. And surely that's it. I'm going to hit you with reference 186. (laughs) 
You really want to cover your bases on that one. If you're that's the kind of say, shit that just get deleted immediately from the page. And that's like one person has made one edit where they've uh-huh. put that sentence in, yeah. they've dubbed seven references on it, and just been yeah. like, get rid of it now. And the page is immediately locked. <laughs> cool. So what else was peculiar about that Olympics? Well, uh, it turned out that the uh, most expensive Summer Olympic Games in history was the London 2012, which cost $15 billion and overran its original budget by a margin of 76%, um, which seems bad, right? But when you think about it, uh, it's actually not bad. So we would say that that's 176% of the budget, mm-hmm. right? You blow out of 76%. But... It turns out the final over outturn costs were slightly below the revised budget. Mm. So when you revise a budget, yeah. what does that mean? So that means uh, you've got a budget, mm-hmm. and then you just put a little bit on top. You put a little cream for daddy on there. Yep, you yep. double your budget, which yeah. is a little bit of cream for daddy. Yeah, that's that's the that's the potassium on top. To really get your bones nice and strong. Uh-huh. Yep, give you healthy bones in your budget. Yep. Yep. And that really is what you want to measure against. And when you measure it against that budget, it turns out it's not so bad. So you inflate your yep. budget. Yeah, that's right. But then so you the, make the inflated budget your budget. Yep. And then you're under budget. You're under budget. I'm going to let uh, then Mayor of London, Boris Johnson, explain this. I haven't heard of him. Don't look into him. What happened was that the initial bid did have to be inflated, but after we got to what was a reasonable price, uh, that was about five or six years out, we didn't go over that budget, and we stuck within that £9.3 billion, and we brought it in under that. Yeah. So it was over the number that we said. Yeah. But we just made up a new number, and then and we were actually fine. under that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we kind of went in a bit... I, I think we lowballed it when we went in. Yeah. That was our bad. Yeah. But... But the new number is right in the middle. We covered our bases. Yeah. yeah. Seems good. Um, and, you know, this, this happens again and again. And, of course, the whole thing's just a big fucking pork barreling for, um, for corruption, um, for scandal, just an honor. It's like, it's like FIFA, right? You can't get to the end of building a FIFA stadium without having murdered some indentured servants. That is the common expression we use all the time. Yep, and they, they get up at the... At the start of every uh, FIFA meeting, and they they repeat that <laughs> they chant in it unison. in unison, <laughs> hand over their hearts. That's the first slide on their PowerPoint. <laughs> um, yeah. So the um, so in in Nagano, as we mentioned, it went way way over, um, but we don't know how much. Which is a cool thought because they just destroyed the financial records. The bidding committee just uh, just. They shredded those bad boys, which, as far as I know, problem solved, right? Um, so the Japanese media reported the bidding committee spent an average of $22,000 on bribing 62 IOC members to influence their hosting decision. But they avoided any punishment by getting rid of the records. Oh, that's smart. Like, hey, you know how you guys are kind of been taking all that money and you've been giving it to the IOC uh, sort of under the table? You got those records there that kind of state your criminality? You still got that? No, we got rid of those. Oh. 
Now, well, see, I'm in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, I, I kind of. I'd love to help. Needed those. No, I know, but so to. I've got just, a, this whole criminal procedure no, I, against you guys. I put them through the shredder. Who so. counting on you to have them? I, it, I get that. See, I checked with the guys, the, and I thought that they we should already have them. They didn't have a bribery receipt. No. Yeah. And I, I sort of said, well, look, we've got to get straight down to you guys. I'm just, look, I'd I'm love just to doing help. what I'm told. I'm just. I would. They directed me to you. I don't have them. So okay. I guess we're just going to have to. Just forego the whole thing? Yeah. It was just call just the whole thing of, off. Yeah. Didn't didn't happen. Didn't happen. Huh? Well, so when they say an average of twenty two thousand dollars bribing sixty two IOC members, they're talking mean or median here. They don't really give that. <laughs> that's not and where my question is stats going. <laughs> uh, to me, I would have phrased that slightly differently, but it certainly makes it sound like each of those sixty two IOC members received on on average. On average, and again, we don't have twenty two thousand dollars. Twenty two thousand dollars could be a mode. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a mode. That's not a really statistically strong mm. kind of... Okay. It's all right. We can move on. We'll, we can. And we'll we will. We'll talk about modes later on. Um, but as we kind of mentioned at the top of the segment, we may all look like assholes at the end of this. They're introducing uh, the new norm. The IOC have called this. It's got capital letters on each of yep. those things. Capital T, capital N, and then another capital N. Uh, this would be like uh, if they replaced... The guy who played uh, Norm in Cheers with a different guy. Yeah. So, I mean, sort of in like a homonym sense. Yeah. But not in any kind of meaningful sense. No, there's nothing meaningful there whatsoever. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. So, um, the- <laughs> so they're basically saying that that now. Um, so there's there's a whole bunch of measures that they're bringing in. 118 of them. I'm not going to read them. Um, but they're, they're saying that, uh, you know, they need to guarantee only one bed for each athlete, either at the main or the Olympic village. If you drive down to fucking to the Gold Coast, you've got a whole bunch of stuff up there. The, uh, the Commonwealth Games Village, I believe they're not able to sell it just due to lack of prestige, but they are trying to sell those unsuccessfully. They're just these horrible buildings, uh, that just stand there empty for fucking ever. Um. But they are establishing a brand strategy which will allow for dual branding in certain areas uh, while respecting the uniqueness of the two brands. So we're talking about Brisbane Gold Coast, right, Um, where you can kind of, like, share the prestige instead of it just being one city that that bids on it. And and that certainly has had an effect on getting the Gold Coast um, local council on on board. Um, I remember some some quotes out of it. Um, originally, the Gold Coast mayor was like, well, it's time for Brisbane to fucking pull their weight on this. We built all this Commonwealth game shit. Nobody wants it anymore. They could probably, you know, just hire it from us from a steal, but as long as they kind of, you know, pull this thing along. And that, that story's changed just, a little uh, bit since they've done that. Mention the Gold Coast to some of the bigger countries, would you? I yeah, think yeah. that's the arrangement they want. Down the Gold Coast. You know, we've got a... Uh, the Outback Steakhouse. You know the Outback Steakhouse? Yeah, we got one of those. Yeah. Uh, Top Golf. Yep. I keep getting targeted ads for Top Golf. Yeah. Looks pretty good. Fuck. <laughs> you get to drink some beers at a driving range. Come I can't on. play golf, but that All seems right. quite nice. This we, is not an ad for no, Top Golf. Dri- yeah, absolutely. We are not getting paid for this or anything else. No, and I'm never going to Top Golf. No. We were driving from Gold Coast to Brisbane, and um, why for the show? All right, voice. My my wife mm-hmm. did mention. Oh, Top Golf. Oh, I sort of. I think I was talking about it in the um kind of 
uh, scenario in which, if you imagine like a the road sort of situation, perhaps cast your mind forward to 2032, <laughs> if you will, and imagine the kind of future that we're in. I'm talking about a kind of the road situation where there's a lot of mental accounting around how many uh, 38 rounds you have left uh, in your hot little pocket. Uh, and then you imagine just you're walking through the wilderness and there, miles away, uh, the remnants of top, top golf, just uh, gigantic uh, golf ball proof fences. And they've, they're fucking tall, right? They're hmm. like 20, 30 meters tall. Oh, they got to be. Um, they're slowly collapsing. The top golf sign, of course, the neon in them uh, oozed out into the ozone. Some of the letters will fall off. All you can see is Tuff. Yep. Standing as a misspelt, just monolith. To People refer the to it as the man. Temple of Tooth. Yep. Uh, anyway, so they can probably demolish that, and that could be the new Olympic uh, stadium, possibly. I think we've solved all the problems here. Yeah, it's looking pretty good. I'm excited. I think uh, one of my favourite recommendations of the 118 measures for making sure people don't go massively over budget uh-huh. is uh, this one. This is exactly how the IOC has phrased it. Simplify food and beverage services, especially warm menus for some stakeholder groups. Where kitchen facilities must be fully designed and built, warm food will only be provided to certain games clients. Don't give hot food to everyone. No, sorry, not hot food. Warm Warm food. food. (laughs) Only some people get warm food. (laughs) You want a bolognese? It's going to be ice cold. cold. Just like there are a few things in there it's that are very, like, it's very hot here today. We had to specially cool it for you. But <laughs> keeping all of your salads as, on ice, as per one of the hundred and eighteen new guidelines, the new norms, uh, we have to make this cold for you. <laughs> we can't. We're not allowed to. Warm. We're not allowed to serve this to you at room temperature. Room temperature now, of course, is forty-two degrees. Yep. Which is, I believe, 170 degrees Fahrenheit. I think it's about 2,760, yeah, yep. somewhere around that. Hey, Louis. Hey, good dog. <sighs> excellent podcast guest to have. The dog of the show. Dog of the My show, dog. Louis. Sweet boy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe this will be the first Olympics to make a profit. Yeah. Uh, there was the 1984, I want to say, uh, Los Angeles Games was surprisingly uh, cost-effective for them to do, but that's because they massively privatized everything. So there was a bunch of stuff of being oh, cool. like, I'm going to go play handball in the 7-Eleven presents the Gatorade-flavored handball stadium, <laughs> which is so fucking depressing. Well, I play my handball at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need a second part of that. For that no, to I think it's it a- stands on its okay. own. Hey, you know what else stands on its own? <laughs> A funnel-web spider when rearing into a threatening position. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> How would you describe a funnel-web spider, Ben? I would say that it is a tiny creature that loves to hide in a hole and then fucking kill you. Cool. Okay. So, I only have one note about that. Um, everything else is, is good. I would just say the characterization of a funnel-web spider is tiny. Okay. It's possibly... Not doing justice to this fucking monstrosity of an animal. You're a small man. Yeah. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. Uh, You might be seeing things from a slightly different perspective to what I am. Do you believe that I'm low (laughs) enough to the ground 
<laughs> to fear a spider as some sort of god. A tiny bit, yeah. Yeah. You might be rearing a, up uh, on its back legs. I see it as none other than Dagoth Ur. This is like in um fucking you know, in all those nineteen uh, fifties sci-fi movies where they just used real animals, but like, just did the scale difference. Yeah, 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 you yeah, see yeah. a regular household yeah, yeah. spider, you a- and you're like doing the two hands. Yeah, in my face t- in my tiny Stuart little house. Yeah. <laughs> He's just collapsing my ironing board, which is really just a stack of thimbles. A little piece this of isn't bullying between them. what we do to Theo. It's, no, uh, it's... I, I, and look, I've certainly felt good about um, the size of my body, <laughs> its role in my life, <laughs> certain features of my musculature. <laughs> it's all, it's all good. But uh, also all good. We should probably just play the Nature Corner theme uh, here, and that's just a little cue. Yeah. For, because neither of us possess the loopback software. Yeah. Unfortunately, so, that is playing or just played. So you're hoping either that you talking about it being put in will be edited out or you want this left in? I mean, to me, it's immaterial. I'm not going to listen to this. <laughs> well, we'll let the listener decide mm-hmm. whether it's <laughs> whether good it or not. Whether it should be taken, yeah, left in or take out. <laughs> Please contact us at... Uh... Yeah. Should we take this bit out uh, at uh, heyyouguys at buntavista.com? So there are two ats in our email address? At hey, yeah. Should right. we take it's, this out? This at is on, hey, no, you guys. This, you know, you, you're right. This is on Mastodon. That uh, goes at the front, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. in the middle. I think we can only be reached on Mastodon. All right. This is from Ten Daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also serves as the Hell World update. Yeah. This is a combination Nature Corner Hell World update. Aussie homes to be flooded with deadly spiders after rain. Aussies are being warned of spider showers Uh with weather encouraging an influx of deadly funnel webs to move into homes. Spider experts, love to be one of those. uh, Or sexperts for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's correct. Spider experts say the mix of hot days followed by rain provides the perfect conditions for funnel webs to thrive. These bad boys love it moist. <laughs> like it real hot and wet. Yep. Uh, the reason funnel web spiders are more likely to move around in rain is that it's cooler and the humidity is higher. Reptiles and spider keeper at the Australian Reptile Park, Jake Maney said. Uh, this time of year when you get those afternoon storms, you're more likely to encounter them. There are 40 types of funnel web spiders in Australia and the Sydney funnel web is the country's most deadly arachnid. The male funnel web spiders are six times more deadly than females. King. Toxic masculinity. Is. Different approaches. Well. And often infiltrate clo- homes close to bushlands where the spiders live. They're most likely to be spotted in damp places like the laundry, garage, or inside shoes. The males yeah. get really adventurous when they're trying to find a female and will wander large distances. That's when they come into backyards, swimming pools, and occasionally houses. Keep an eye out for those. Yeah. While you're struggling to breathe, the sun has been obscured. Mm-hmm. By thick dust clouds rolling in from the dust bowl. And you are beset on all sides by enemies, least of all 
spiders that can sprint uh, as fast as a human man. <laughs> they don't have lungs, so they don't need to breathe. Yep. As far as I know. They will be. <laughs> Where would you put lungs in a spider's body? Oh, fucking in the, in the thorax? I think don't be ridiculous. That's probably already, that's where they store all their webs. Yeah. Uh, all the um, venom. Yep. That's there as well. The brain. Yep, that's in the thorax. Yep. And this has been Spider's Corner. Yep. From just a couple of sexperts. Uh, we've got a bumper nature corner here. This is another article that is not at all spider related from the ABC. It's very long, but I think every single line of this is worthwhile. So bear with me for a while here. The headline of this article is second sighting of puma sized. We say puma or puma? I say I say puma. Puma, but I- only out of habit and a kind of feeling that maybe saying puma is putting on airs. I think I've been ruined by, uh, you remember Red vs. Blue? I do. Mm. The, the Halo. Yep. Uh, what do you call it Mach- when they machinima. make the characters? Machinima. 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 Mach- yeah. Yep. I, I believe that's still going as well, but, just FYI. That's terrifying. Well, yep. if the word Puma or Puma yep. doesn't immediately make you think of that, then I'm not going to relate to you why that makes sense. And carrying on. Just check out Newgrounds.com. <laughs> Lots of great up and coming. 20 second flash animations. Yep. Uh, some great uh, hentai games if you need those. Yep. Arfen House. I don't know what that means. So on. Uh, second sighting of Puma-sized cat prompts another DPI investigation. Second inv- investigation has begun into sightings of a Puma-sized cat in the Hunter Valley after the ABC obtained footage of sighting on New Year's Day. Bev Fraser, very uh-huh. Australian name said she will never forget looking down a fence line on her Hunter Valley property on January 1st and spotting what she described as a puma-sized cat. It was just a very big, very, very, very black cat, and obviously a cat, this Fraser said. It was too large to be an overgrown domestic cat, just a 50-kilo sort of animal sitting on my fence post. Miss Fraser, who lives on the outskirts of Maitland in New South Wales, said she had not been able to get close than about 120 metres for the animal since she was there, and that she could only zoom in <laughs> so much to get an in-focus image. <gasps> she said the cat's size could be determined in relation to the sturdy fence post on which it was sitting. You look at it, and look at the proportion of the size of the animal to the post, and you go, holy cow. Now, I have seen the image. Yes. Did you go, holy cow? I went, um, that is a, is a black smudge mm-hmm. and a fence post. Yep. And that's all the proof I need. Yeah, absolutely. But I believe Bev, who definitely, with a name like that, is not 9,700 years old. She is not everyone's auntie who has Uh had, like, five glasses of white wine by 3 p.m. every day. Yeah, and and was like, I killed the last thylacine, you know. (laughs) I shot it with my elephant gun that my husband brought back from the Boer War. It took me 17 minutes to load it. That assortment of shot. By the time I got to it, it was just four legs, no torso, no head. (laughs) Had a a plume of smoke rising from the spot. (sighs) They don't let us have elephant guns in Australia anymore. (laughs) No, they took those away and it's really been impinging on my personal rights. Bev is defenceless against 50 kilo distant cats. Uh... You know, it was 100 or so metres away, and that is a huge animal, so I am still very convinced it was a very large cat, but what variety, I have no idea. Ms. Fraser said that the way the cat slunk into the undergrowth 
Undergrowth was also slightly different to a domestic cat. Huh. I don't think it was a giant cat like a leopard. I think it was a more sort of a puma-sized cat, but it was definitely a cat, and it very elegantly and gracefully dismounted the post when it became aware of my presence. The a, Department of Primary Industries thought. examined the scene. New South Wales DPI told the ABC it had received the report about the big cat and launched an investigation. Big cat sightings are not new in the Hunter and other parts of the state, particularly around the Blue Mountains. As a result, state government officials have a policy to deal with the sightings. The DPI said it would respond to reported sightings of large felines by referring the port either to the New South Wales Police, <laughs> the land manager or the Livestock Health and Pest Authority. Hello, 911. There's a phantom cat on this lady's property. Well, Bring we'll your send, biggest gun. We'll send someone out to strip search it immediately. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, how old was you, would you say that it is? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Forget about it's it. Immaterial. <laughs> it's just a field we have to fill in. <laughs> Not going to change our decision. The department said it responded when members of the public were concerned for their safety or for the safety of their livestock or pets. Ms. Fraser has two dashins and said immediately after the sighting she was afraid to let them outside. Huh? You're terrifying dogs on your property. Yep. You're two little wiener dogs. <laughs> trotting out there on their ridiculous little limbs. Oh, their dicks dragging backwards <laughs> against the friction of the... Barely able to lift their awful heads skywards. <laughs> Nature's cruelest mistake. (laughs) I locked the dogs in the house because I knew if they had seen it, they would give chase. (laughs) Bellies dragging (laughs) through the dirt. What chance do you think they have catching? Like, even if it's a regular feral cat, it would just extend one claw and cut them perfectly in half. Yep. Uh, Miss Fraser said she was pleased the DPI was taking the sighting seriously with an exotic animals officer planning to visit her property as soon as could be arranged. Now, is he an animals officer that is <laughs> sort of has a lot of piercings? <laughs> what a job title. <laughs> You're like the guy that gets called out when someone's like, hey, I had an illegal Bengal tiger on my property and it may have escaped. Yeah. Please come out here and look at this. And as an exotic animal officer in the Hunter Valley, you kind of have to make a booking. You have to book ahead. Oh, yeah. He's out there catching humors, yep. cougars, cheetahs, tigers. Any lions, do you think? Or is it too, too large? That might be too large. Panthers. Mountain lions. Lynxes, although he has to just take the smaller cage. Bobcats. Yeah. Are they... Aren't bobcats, mountain lions, and cougars all the same thing? I don't know. Uh, well, write in about that as well. Also has a side industry on uh, just catching wayward ferrets. Someone's got to do it. Although they might be legal in New South Wales. They're definitely illegal in Queensland. Yeah, everything's illegal in Queensland. Everything's illegal in Queensland. Uh, Miss Fraser said she was pleased the DPI was taking the sighting seriously with an exotic animal's... Oh, whoops, sorry, we just read that. And we're taking this seriously as well. <laughs> we're taking so. this very seriously. <clears throat> Basically, they're going to come out and have a look at the site and I guess a closer examination of the area. I want to know, where does it go when it is not visiting my house? <laughs> <laughs> to the library. I don't know. <laughs> and luckily it has only been there once. But where does it reside? What is it thinking? Where does it reside is such a, like, weirdly formal way of saying yeah. that. But whence does it reside? <laughs> the Australian Big Cat Research Group is dedicated to proving that big cats exist in Australia. Oh my! Oh my. Is this a? Do you think this is a Facebook group that we could 
Almost subscribe yes. to? Yeah. I mean, it's an active page. Oh, boy. Uh, I could have been subscribed to this the whole time. You've been sending out on years of big cat content. Uh, it has had numerous sightings of the animals in the Hunter Valley area, and the group's founder, Kevin Braunton, said he was keen to know more about the cat that Miss Fraser said she saw. Footage, footage of it moving would help a great. Mm-hmm. And also, if Bev herself could go <laughs> down there and measure that fence post so we can have a reference for the size of it, uh, Mr. Broughton said the animal was very large, but from the footage, he suspected it was an oversized feral cat. Oh, I, I love it when you get into like a conspiracy theory group or whatever, and they're just like, no, that's, that, that's a regular ass that's, thing. That's ridiculous. We're just the guys that believe that the pyramids <laughs> were built by Bigfoot. I believe that the Lithgow Panther is real, but what you saw is a regular cat. <laughs> uh, it is definitely like a big cat, something of a cat species, and I would say it is most probably a feral cat, but it is very large, even if it is just a feral cat. Mr. Broughton said. Mr. Broughton said it was hard to determine if it was Puma-sized cat from the photo and video, taken from 100 metres away. Well, I mean, if, I feel if it's 100 metres away and you've got that scale, you, you can understand, just... you can measure from the spot yep. to the fence post mm-hmm. and then use a little bit of, you know, trigonometry or whatever to actually establish the size of the uh, object on the screen. Yeah, if you uh, put the barometer on a piece of string and lower it off the side of the building down to the bottom floor and yep. use the, you measure the piece of string, that's how tall the building is. Mm-hmm. Different things. I, th- I feel like we're possibly talking about two entirely separate concepts. That's, uh, is that a, uh, what's his name? What's the, why do you need to know how tall the building is? Yeah, it's as that, well. that thing. It's meant to be an anecdote about Feynman, Richard Feynman. Is that his name? Feynman? Feynman? Where he was like in college and they were like, Use a barometer, using a barometer, how would you tell what height a building is? And he gave a bunch of oh, joke of answers that you put the yeah. barometer on a string or you put the barometer to the bottom, mark where it was, put the barometer again, <laughs> count how many times the barometer goes up the building. Yep. That's uh, for all my maths and physics heads out there. Mm-hmm. And he gave this entire lecture while playing a, a comically sized <laughs> set of bongo drums. We love a, a silly STEM person. They wear colourful bow ties. Mm -hmm. They wear unorthodox shoes. Uh, On just a photo alone, mainly with a cat, you really notice differences when it is walking as to a feral animal or a big cat species. Unfortunately, it is inconclusive, but I think it is certainly a very, very big cat. And Bev would be right in thinking that it is worth photographing. That seems patronising to me, but a nice gesture nonetheless. Wrong, but good attempt, Bev. (laughs) This phrase you, is- you won't get this by us, the uh, Australian Big Cat Research Group. Ms. Fraser told the ABC people might consider her some sort of crazy cat lady, but she stood by her claim. That cat had climbed up on a fence post and was sitting on a substantial fence post, staring down into the undergrowth. So obviously hunting something, looking and concentrating, obviously, as cats do. I am now hesitant to go down there. Mr. Broughton said Miss Fraser was courageous in alerting the authorities because, uh, because others would not through fear of ridicule. <laughs> You're real brave, you know that, you crazy bitch. <laughs> Everyone would call you a fucking idiot, but you did it anyway. Well done. Uh, Broughton said the evidence of Big Cat's existence in Australia was overwhelming. Details of Miss Fraser's sighting have prompted a man to come forward with a second and separate sighting of a puma-sized cat around 30 kilometres from her place. Chris O'Neill saw a cat the size of a puma last Thursday as he drove home from dinner. He spoke to DPI investigators today and said they would do a site visit. Who said they would do a site visit to look for paw prints or scratch marks tomorrow? Mr. O'Neill said it was a sighting he would never forget. A black 
feline cat-like creature was kind of running under or near a truck and it was the same size as the wheel. So it was a very big creature and its movement was cat-like, but it certainly wasn't a domestic cat. Meanwhile, a second man has told the ABC his brother saw a puma-sized cat leaping into the river last year within a few hundred metres from Mr. O'Neill's sighting. The alleged sightings of big cats have prompted hundreds of comments on social media, which is news somehow. Dozens of people have said that they too, or someone they know of, have also seen a panther or puma-sized animal in the Hunter Valley region. Theories have ranged from a breeding pair of pumas escaping from a travelling circus <laughs> to an underworld figure releasing a big cat that was once a pet. Oh, a report. I love both of those options. Oh, they're, they're both great, and I hope yeah. both are true. Uh, a report into big cats in New South Wales was commissioned by former Primary Industries Minister Katrina Hodgkinson and written by New Zealand-based invasive species expert John Parks. He found there was no conclusive evidence that large cats exist in the wild New South Wales. <sighs> and they would say that. Citing some other evidence pre- presented was mostly from the Hawkesbury region. DPI said it would not comment further on the report in Hunter Valley sightings until it had completed its investigations. So Australia loves big cats. Yeah, and I would say myself, I want to believe. Yeah. This is sort of like, a, we're at the point now where most of these rumours start in like the 70s, where it's same with like Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster, where people talk about there being one creature, but for it to have gone on, we've got to be talking like a breeding population, right? So maybe two circus animals? Well, yeah, or with, or just a kind of... I'll tell you what, and this is sort of just... I, I'm a bit hesitant to do this because this does kind of shoot holes in your, sh- in your st- um, theory. It okay. kind of makes it look like a piece of shit. But uh, like I will say that the circus comes every year. So if you just think about that a little bit... <laughs> I'm just going to... Just to make sure I've got this absolutely clear. Yes. Your theory is that... New big cats are being continuously released. Continuously released. But I'm not saying every year. Oh, that would be crazy. That, that would certainly be crazy. But I'm just saying that when you consider the lifespan of a, of a puma, mm-hmm. especially in the, in the wild, we're talking maybe like five years or something like that, it's certainly not impossible to imagine that once every five years a puma or puma-sized cat is released from the circus, are we sure they're there frequently into the wild? And I figure they've got a guy as well, right? Like, they've got a human supply guy. Uh-huh. And they're just like, uh, happened again, Steve. Happen again? Yep. Specifically in the Hunter Valley region, we don't know why. But also the Blue Mountains. And also Gippsland. Okay. And the Grampians. Well, I mean, look. Circuses travel. They, they famously they travel. travel. Uh, there's some other great theories. There's a phantom cat in Gippsland, although it's almost definitely dead now. Uh, but the theory is that that Phantom Cat is the result of uh, World War Two era American airmen mm-hmm. bringing over cougars as yeah. mascots okay. and then letting them go in the bush. So is this in the plane with little they, goggles and a, and a little scarf in the back seat? Yeah, it's like that uh, photo of the fucking... It was like a Russian military regiment in World War Two that had a polar bear as its mascot that I'm pretty sure there's a photo of it wearing oh, yeah, a hat. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Love that. I'll get that uh, in plane. There was a. Uh, there's also rumored to be a puma in the Grampians. There was an article the ABC did about this a couple of years ago where they consulted an expert about it. Uh, this is a quote. Dr. John Henry from Deakin University conducted research on the issue in the 1970s, told the ABC last year that he concluded that it was beyond reasonable doubt there was a population of big cats in the Grampians at that time. 
So, like, 50 years ago, uh-huh. this one guy did a study, yep. and he's, he's standing by it. God bless him. Uh, the Blue Mountains Panther. If you have a look at it on Wikipedia, there's one citation for the entire article, and it is on the sentence, there is no proof that this animal exists. Uh, this is from the ABC well, again. It's, it's easier, I think, to bring people down than to actually build that something. so true. It's easy yeah. to criticise. It's so m- way harder to say people out there. big cats are real. Mm. Uh, this is from the ABC. In its final report obtained by the ABC, the Department of Primary Industry said it examined video footage, plastic cast footprints, photographs of scratch marks, and scent hair, saliva, and fecal samples for DNA la- analysis. However, none of the evidence has conclusively proved the existence of a large, free-ranging cat-like <laughs> animal. The report concludes the poor prints obtained are most likely to be from a large dog. Okay. So, look, he's got a big degree, knowledge, expertise in the field, mm-hmm. uh, a body of work and evidence that he can draw from, textbooks, a uh, series of evidence captured, analysed, uh, and so on, but... <clears throat> A dog can't jump on a fence post. That's true. So in this case, I think really what we're looking at is Puma. Or Puma-sized cat. Now- It could be a cougar that someone has spray-painted black. <laughs> I might not Local be teens. an expert on zoology, uh-huh. biology, yep. ecology, mm-hmm. cryptozoology, yep. geography. Yep. I'm not doing the full Herpetology. bit. Yep. And so on. <laughs> But what if someone released a really big cat into the bush? <laughs> uh, I think that's all we've got time for. I, we've probably I, even maybe given you too much time. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, we're in the room already. You're absolutely right. Oh. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you've already subscribed, so I don't think we have to sell you on anything, really. No, you've already, you've already taken it hook, line, and sinker. Yep, you credulous rubes. Huh? I'm spending this money on drugs. Just kidding. I need it to pay my rent. Woo. <laughs> uh, yeah. How do you usually finish these? Uh, I think you just say goodbye at the end. Yeah. All right. So just, but I mean, you really want it to come to like a nice smooth kind of ending. It'd be nice if we had like, we could bring it back to something like a callback joke. Yeah. That would be nice. Well, anyway. Uh... Peace. Peace.